Hello, you're very welcome to another episode of FNI Rap Chat. So, t- who have we got today, Paul? Who have we got today, Paul? <laughs> <laughs> um, we have a legend. Uh, really, <laughs> I say this because he his stories are that of legend. Yeah, uh, I actually bumped into him in a in a coffee shop on Dorset Street uh, with another friend, and he was telling all these great stories. And I was like, "Man, would you would you like to come on to a podcast?" He's he's the, he's a shanaki. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's a great storyteller. Who are we talking about, Paul? We're talking about Barry McAvoy, uh, uh, an actor and a writer from Belfast City, from the Falls Road, and. Uh, Jesus, yeah, <laughs> he uh, he's had some life and some career. Um, so his his feature film, An Everlasting Peace, was directed uh, by Barry Levinson and was um, released around the millennium. I think ninety nine two thousand around that time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a, a fascinating insight um, into someone who really just. Went for it. He was in the thick of it, wasn't he? He was in yeah. the middle of. He was in the special sauce. Yeah, but he he just made things happen. Yeah, and uh, yeah, fascinating. Just yeah. So you'll know. Just listen, and uh, I think you'll be quite entertained for the next hour. Yeah, it's a. Uh it's one of the more <laughs> one of the he he will regale you with his stories of Hollywood uh, uh, meetings. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like some achievement. Um. A really good, a shining example of. Um, risk taking and uh, you know s- putting your best foot forward and taking taking a chance you know really pushing yourself um, it's not impossible to get people to um, either read your work but also take a chance on you you know mm. um, confidence is key uh, speaking of confidence we in the next we have in the next uh, week or so we have uh, we're running a a successful mindset class uh, coming up with Nick Dunning. Nick Dunning is an IFTA award-winning uh, actor, uh, writer, produced writer for the BBC. Um, he's a mindfulness and uh, mindfulness and uh, performance coach. Um, and you may be thinking, how how does this apply to me? Well, if you're a writer or a director, you're pitching all the time. You know, you have, you know, you may have several ideas that you may be running by people at any given point, whether it be informally over a coffee with someone or something more professionally orientated in terms of funding or whatever. Um, this also applies to actors as well in terms of, you know, being on point, um, being able to switch off that negative voice in your head and, um, you know, uh, to get into a successful and positive mindset before you have uh, maybe something important coming up that you need to pitch. Uh, so this formed, the. this was the basis of this particular class. There seemed to be a need for that. Mm. Um, you may, if you've been to other events, like the Storyland event, you may, you would have got a, just a, a taste. Yeah, he did something similar. Story. He spoke for us then a, a year before that as well, uh, at another event. Um, and he had 50 people up cheering and, uh, yeah. you know, he... You know he's uh, he's really really good at what he does and a very very fine actor. Yeah. He's worked with everybody. Uh, uh, you can actually go and back and listen. Uh, yeah, one of the other episodes, uh, the the number escapes me at the early moment. Early on, maybe in the twenties, Nick Dunning recorded in under the stage in the uh, in the Abbey. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> Just before he went on stage, he made some time for us. But he's um, he's really good at what he does and he really gets the best out of people. Um, so um, you know. Uh, I think you should. Uh, people should pay some mind to focusing on how to best present the the uh, the, the product that they have uh, when the time is right to do so. Um, he's really good, at really, 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 really good at what he does. Yeah, and proofs in the pudding. Uh, so yeah, tickets are available via Eventbrite. Um, it's happening on the fifteenth, which is the Sunday, uh, which is Sunday, the fifteenth of September. Um, so book a ticket for that. Uh, very, very affordable as per usual. Yep. That's how we do. Um, Barry McAvoy also runs courses very popular. Uh, as he says himself, the next one is full, but he has ones available, I think, for October. So uh, he gives us the details at the end of the podcast. So 
stick around until then if you're interested in doing one of his courses. Yeah, keep an eye on uh, our Facebook, uh, Twitter and Instagram for all of our other classes and everything else FNI related. And if you'd like to buy us a coffee, head on over to, and you got this wrong twice, so I'm not going to, you're, you're not doing the plug now. Google it. <laughs> Google it. Uh, www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash FNI, not dot org. Uh, oh, dot com, okay. Yeah, Paul. Um, <laughs> I got the org from. Yeah, org, because yeah. it's organic. Um, but yeah, uh, so yeah, enjoy the episode. It's Shout great. out to our sponsors, Wildcard Distribution. Yes, we will. Um, we are very fortunate to have, uh, firstly, thanks to everybody who came along to our uh, script uh, copyright event, which went down a treat. Uh, um, uh, on the third uh, in Token in Dublin we had uh, representatives from the film board Wildcard Distribution uh, Patrick O'Neill MD there and it was hosted by Colin McKeown uh, it was uh, by all accounts I think uh, ooh, by all accounts I think it was a really important event to have and people got a lot out of it so thank you to Wildcard for taking time out uh, that night to support the event, but also in terms of uh, pushing the podcast and in general supporting independent film and TV. These are very good. All right, we go to Barry McAvoy. Barry McAvoy, how are you doing? How you doing, fellas? Uh, you're in writer mode at the moment, yeah? Or you get ready writer to do course? Teacher, teacher mode. mode. Okay. And kind of dipping my toes into producer mode. Oh, cool. Don't do that. That's a mode you can't get out of. That's a funk. It's not a mode. <laughs> <laughs> I just, one of these days, one of the gigs is going to start really paying off financially. Yeah, so mom. Look at the top of the world, ma. I'm, I'm learning to tattoo as well. Are you? Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. It's <laughs> <Okay. laughs> got okay. Joe Rogan all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, oh, you gotta tell me about that. diversify. Yeah, diversify Ireland. to survive, huh? You have to you so, have a kid, man. I got a tattoo, whatever I gotta do. No. So, <laughs> um, the teaching is the is the main thing. Oh, I, I need to hear more about this tattoo. You want do you want one? You could be. Because I'm looking for, you know, the guinea first pigs, one. guinea pigs. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm too. I'll, I'll never get it. So I'm no good. Like, I'm just Can you do the around. drama masks, the happy and the sad faces? Mm. I'll, I'll, be, I'll get, I'll, if you Will can you? do that. No, no, Will you? My house. I see it in the, the mirror every day, fucking, without having to get a tattoo. See, on my I face. just see the tragedy. No. In the yeah. That's what I see. Could you tattoo yourself? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm going to, yeah, that's going to be my canvas. Okay. Legs, basically. Yeah. Anything you anyway, let's <laughs> <laughs> um, I love tattoos. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, but so <laughs> in terms of the the teaching, um how did you kind of get into that? Was it like after when well, did you think I ha- I can for years and years I've had friends who were saying you should teach, you know, mm. you'd be good at it and then I was always doing coverage for my friends' screenplays and <laughs> really spending ages on it and never getting a penny and not asking for it but my wife is like you know you should you could get paid for that mm. so i thought once i thought you know i should try to get a real job and mm. then i thought I, if i could get a if i could get a master's degree um then i could start teaching and so the um the program at the lear came up for playwriting okay. mfa playwriting mm-hmm. at the lear and i got in and I was there basically to get a master so I could start teaching. Right. They'll be disappointed to hear that that was what I was up to. But <laughs> um, but it's the truth. You know, yeah, I have yeah. a kid now and, uh, and I want to have a, a semi-steady gig. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I, when I went there, I, I accidentally, it turns out that the three um, professors are absolute fucking geniuses, especially Graham Wybrow, who runs the playwriting, the actual writing course. Okay. And I was really inspired by the, um, by by the the, the teaching, um, you know, just the, the the atmosphere in the room. Um, I always thought one of the reasons why I didn't want to teach was because I didn't want to put stars in their eyes. I didn't mm-hmm. want to encourage people to come into such a tricky, mm-hmm. difficult 
um, soul, sometimes soul crushing yeah. um, profession. Right. But when I saw the enthusiasm, I saw how, how listen, what, what we yeah. do, what we do here is actually fucking important. Yeah. And, and what making great films and making good films even and good TV shows and good theater and, or, or, and may be great. The world fucking needs that. The oh, world needs oh, that oh. as much as a GP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. More now, more now than ever. So, um, so it was the opposite. It went. It reminded me, and maybe I did get a f- some of the some of the juice from the young students that were in my class. Like I was older than two of my professors, mm. and I did get that enthusiasm from the kids. And it reminded me what what it was like when I was a kid and I was first getting into it. It was really exciting yeah. and. And I felt it was important. And then you get a bit, you get fucking jaded after yeah. 20 years yeah. acting, 20 years writing. You get fucking jaded. Like yeah, you can't yeah. help but get jaded. Yeah. And it kind of gave me a new enthusiasm. And so what I did was I basically um, ripped off a Graham Wybrow from my <laughs> class, that my <laughs> film class. So I'm teaching screenwriting now. Yeah. And I used a, 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 quite a bit. Of his that is style. Nothing, there's nothing yeah. new under the sun, is there? You know. Well, he 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 was saying things in a way that I hadn't really put it in a box the way he was putting it in, mm. yeah, yeah. and so I was applying some of the things like metaphor and paradox of character that yeah. that when I was writing and it was working, I was doing that those things naturally, and when it wasn't working, I wasn't doing those things. Yeah. But now I know to look at them now. Now I know to pay attention to that. Yeah. Um. So when the census taker came around to our house. Was it last year, the year before? And they said, said what do you do for a living? Yeah. I told her I was a Graham Wybrow impersonator. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Um, let's take it back uh, to when did you have a conscious moment in your life? I, I, I believe to be a creative person working in various different fields relatable to film, theatre, acting, writing. It's all the same lucky bag as far as I'm concerned. At what point did you realize that you wanted to stick your hand in that lucky bag? Um, when did you realize you were, you were a creative person and that was where it was going to lead you? Was there a moment where you're like, oh, fuck, okay. Um, well, it was really early. Like, I, uh, you know, m- um, my grandmother was a secret uh, poet. Where she wrote poetry at night because she had insomnia. But she didn't tell anybody. She didn't tell her husband. Right. Because in Belfast at that time it was hokey to be, yeah. you know, in the arts. Or this from where my family from uh, the Lower Falls, like working class, like you know, yeah. the arts was, <laughs> you know. Um, but she would she would read to me when I was a kid, you know. So maybe that was kind of where it started. But I, like I was in a, um, we emigrated, we moved back and forth from Belfast to Washington D.C. five times before I was fifteen. Wow. Okay. So it was a very strange schizophrenic childhood where one minute, you know, I'm at T-Ball <laughs> and then the next minute I'm at Bobby Sands funeral. Right. What? And then, I, and then now I'm in a classroom with girls in, um, you know, cheerleading outfits and I'm seeing my friend on TV throwing petrol bombs at the soldiers. You know what I mean? It was like yeah, that yeah, yeah. kind of... Yeah, dichotomy yeah. of... Um, yeah, wow. Not my friend, he was just a kid in my class. But... Um, <laughs> But you yeah. know what I mean? So yes, it was, so okay, it was back, so it was back and forth. So, so when I was about 15, I started a punk band in D.C. Right. And we put out an album when I was like 17. Wow. We did our own shows. We, it was real DIY. Yeah. So, um, so I kind of always been up to something, you and know? What, what, Not necessarily successfully. Yeah. But messing constantly. Always up to something. Like our, like our band didn't, wasn't really, we didn't really, you know, do very well. Like we yeah. played a gig in Baltimore with one person. Jesus <laughs> on yeah. Super Bowl Sunday like even our girlfriends didn't come <laughs> and he ordered a pizza in the middle of the um, set Domino's guy shows up comes into the you know so so I understand like yeah. we're not you do it because you love to do it yeah, yeah. and if if it pays off if there's an audience if you get paid for it that's John, John you've been a great audience good night do you want I, a slice of pizza on your way up that please <laughs> we made him give us a slice uh-huh. he did too so and what was it was your, what was your dad doing or was it your parents that's a barber Right. Well, it's not like he's, you know, a diplomat or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah, That's what yeah, I was thinking. Yeah, I was yeah, like, what's he? Barber. Really? Yeah. But and you can go, when, you're, when you're a barber, you can go anywhere. Hair's hair. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. get a job. Like, it's, yeah. it's handy. Mm. Yeah. Kids. Did you, be, did you pick it up? Pick up a trade. 
No, I should have. I mm. should have actually. But I was afraid if I had a good trade that I would, f- if I had something to fall back on, I would. Mm. Yeah. And um, that was probably a bad idea. I probably should have. I mean, I could have. I could have had my own barbershop when I was twenty if I wanted. Mm. But um, would you? That's the though? path I chose anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If I could go back, I would. I, I actually would go back and. Do you think you could have done both though? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Actually, no, I do. I do now. Now looking back, I think I could have. Yeah. But at the time, I didn't. Mm. Like when I at one point I was a bartender in New York. I was only a bartender for about six months, but I didn't want to learn any of the drinks either. Right. I've had a similar because I was afraid. I was afraid I was going to get good at it. It's like mm. no, this is going to. Ta- I'm too lazy. Like it's it's hard enough to be lazy enough to be an actor. I don't want something else to be. To take it's my attention away from like the work. work. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but at, at one point, like, and it became it became comical at at the restaurant bar where I worked at in East Village. Yeah, yeah. Called Saint Dipnas, um, who's the patron saint of insanity and nervous disorders. So, so someone would come. Someone came in and asked for a woo, and I just point I pointed at the bath down to the bathroom. I want yeah. the woo woo, and I just pointed to the toilet and walked away up the bar. You know? <laughs> And anytime anyone would ask for a daiquiri or something, I would just say the blender's broken, and I was just the worst bartender. Beer, beer, yeah, beer or wine, beer. I'm good. Yeah, yeah. You know? beer, uh, and a chat, beer? you know, yeah, you want to yeah. chat? I'll chat. <laughs> I'll do that part. Um, and acting, how did acting come about properly? Um, oh, well, yeah, I, I, I went to a community college, and I was kind of studying. Uh, I started off in radio, mm-hmm. and then I switched to TV production. And then I thought I'll take an acting class just because ultimately I wanted to be a director. I thought, well, I should know about acting. And the the teacher was really enthusiastic and I kind of felt, oh, I'm quite good at this or or I might be I might be good at this Mm. if I work at it. Mm. And then I got a play in the Washington Theatre Festival and I got nominated for Best Actor. And that was me. Screwed for life then. Right. Yeah, Never yeah. been nominated since <laughs> for anything. <laughs> like my, I peaked well, right at the very yeah, beginning. Right, it yeah, just yeah. so you know? happens you're nominated for Guest of the Year on FNI Rap Chat. Well, there you go. Cool. That's <laughs> finally I have another nomination. You've arrived at the bottom. <laughs> oh god. Um. So and then I just and then I just kind of um, f- fucked off to New York and had a go. You a, know, a lash and um. And every time it seemed like I should give up, another a better, sweeter, cooler gig would happen. Right. And and I ended up, you know, with some some cool gigs. You know, um, I ended up I was in a pl- the Harold Pinter um, North American premiere of his newest play called Moonlight. Wow. Not to be confused with the film Moonlight, with Jason Robards. Wow. Um, Blythe Danner and Liev Schreiber. Me and Liev were. All our scenes together, just right. me and him, brothers. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, opening night was Mouse Streep was in the audience and Liam Neeson and, you know, was wow. big yeah. right on Broadway. Yeah. Jesus. Um, so that was a fucking sweet gig. Yeah. But I couldn't enjoy it because I was so nervous. Right. You know? Yeah. So, um, but even back, as it, I enjoy even it now. through it, like even after opening night, you, the nerves just stay well, true. Well, it's always, I was always quite intense with me acting. How, how long did um, that run for? That ran for about maybe three months. So at the roundabout theater. Wait, so you're you're in a, like a like a, a constant state of tension well, with that at the time. Oh or what yeah. You felt but also the the, char- the character was agoraphobic, so oh, okay. I felt so I was a bit too method. Ah, you know, Jesus. took it on like. And I started to <clears> kind of like lock myself in the house a bit and deliberately try to feel. Go on, when I was on the subway, I would try to feel uh, paranoid and anxious yeah. and. Fucking crazy shit. Right. So I couldn't really enjoy it yeah. because I was I felt like I had to be in character all day in order to justify how this kid from the Falls Road is now up on the big stage with all these important people. Right. In my back of my head. Yeah. yeah. Um so so I took acting quite seriously, a quite a bit too seriously. Right. So um, you know, you need to have a little bit of a a step to the side to enjoy it. Mm. Yeah. And then, so gigs like that um, should be like, fuck, this is the greatest thing ever. This is a sweet gig. And what I know I did, you know, I mean, it was pretty cool. Like the, the, the party after opening night with, with all those people coming up to me and yeah. 
saying nice things. That was like, I got to meet Harold Pinter. My dad got to meet Harold Pinter. And um, that was amazing, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the, the, the hour before each show was, was pretty intense. Yeah, right. Once the lights went up, then bang, you're in, yeah. you're in the zone. Yeah. And it was cool then. Yeah, you know, yeah. once you're once once the show starts, you're brilliant. But that you know, couple yeah. of hours before the show, mm. yeah. And how did you deal with? Is there like a come down after the show? Well, you drink. You drink. <laughs> <laughs> you drink a lot. Actually, in that show, I w- I was off the drink. Right. I okay. went off the drink for that show. Um. So I don't know. I just. Uh, I don't, can't remember what I did. I just think I just ate a lot. Club right. Orange, I imagine. Got a big <laughs> steak and cheese sub somewhere. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Drank coffee till two o'clock in the morning in New yeah. York. You know. Yeah, yeah. Stayed up most of the night. But um, there's a reason. There's a reason why theater actors do like a drink. Yeah. Because you need to come down. Like mm. you know, you're you're jacked up at the yeah. end of. I just did a play. I don't really act much anymore. Mm. But two summers ago, I did a play in Washington. Mm. I did. Um, Julius Caesar and played Mark Anthony, which was wow. a great crack. Yeah. But, you know, I couldn't go home without a, a pint yeah. after every show. I'm, like, <laughs> yeah. I'm an alcoholic, man. I got to have a drink tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um, not, not too many pints, yeah. but, you know, a yeah. couple just to kind of take the blood right. pressure down right. a bit. Yeah, yeah. You never let it go too into problem, into a problem kind of a... Nah. Uh, no, that's, that's for other people to say. Not on a nightly basis, anyway. Yeah, yeah. No. Uh, so, yeah, uh, writing. How did writing happen? So, at, w- at one point in New York, um, I had an agent. I was doing kind of well, or I was on the cusp of yeah, yeah. getting something around that same time mm. where I had a good agent. Of, and there was late 90s? Mid 90s. Mid 90s. Yeah. Like 95, 96, 97. Maybe around there. Yeah. And they were submitting me on loads of things. I had, I got, I was getting into auditions for some good things. Okay. You know, and, and getting callbacks, but not really getting the big gigs and getting some gigs, but not really getting the huge gigs. But most of the stuff that I was going in on was shite. It was so <laughs> bad. Right. And this is stuff that are they're being made into films. Yeah. Being, uh, um, network TV pilots. Jesus. And I would, I thought, okay, the way for me to get an advantage, even if I had a character that only had two scenes in a, in a pilot, was to read the whole pilot, just in case that might give me an advantage. So I would force myself to read <coughs> every script, mm. and, and it was so bad. They were terrible. Mm. Um, even some of the shows that went on to be a success, like so there was a show called Nash Bridges. Do you know this yeah, show? Yeah, With Don, jo- Don Johnson? Yeah. So I, I was doing the Pinter play, and the uh, casting director saw me, and she brought me in for this part of this Gen X guy, <laughs> <laughs> who's a fucking idiot. Yeah. And you see, the th- problem with the show is everybody's a fucking idiot on that show except Don. Right. Yeah. Except yeah. Nash. Yeah. Mm. Everybody is Nash's stooge. Yeah. Everybody. Every other character. Nash is the coolest guy in the scene, the funniest guy, the sexiest guy, the smartest guy. Everybody else is there to either prop him up or for him to slag. Every fucking scene. Watch, mm. watch any. And it was so bad. Poor old Cheech. Cheech was, was his, he, he, was, he was kind to Cheech. <laughs> Cheech was a bit of a let off. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. everybody else was a total dickhead. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you found I went yourself unwitt- unwittingly reading all these awful Yeah, so I thought scripts. I could fucking do better than this. I'll fucking write you a pilot. I'm going to write my own script. And that's kind of what happened and every time I would come to a section in the film where I thought well if this was shite it would, this would happen I would try to go the other way yeah. if this was a terrible script this would happen so don't do fucking that do this yeah, yeah, yeah. so that's kind of how I slowly patched together my first script which was an everlasting piece which ended up being produced by DreamWorks and directed by Barry Levinson and you know tell, yeah. us, tell us about uh, never lasting piece. So it's a play on words. Piece is like hair piece, right? Yes, just for people who haven't seen P I E C. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So that was a bit. They the show it on RTE now and again. Uh, do they? Yeah, 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 yeah. Sometimes it's around Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. As a Christmas thing yeah. to it. And where did the idea come from? 
Well, my dad. Ah, uh, yeah, of course, yeah. You know, my dad actually had a hairpiece company, and it was a moment when I was a kid, and I, he would say, "You want to come with me on a, you know," and, and that money that he made from the hair pieces, mm. that was his money. Yeah. So yeah. Th- he could go play golf or have a drink with that money. Mm. So that was his motivation was just to go and make, and it wasn't big money. Mm. You might get an extra fifteen quid a week or something. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you sell a hairpiece, make thirty quid, and that's it. Yeah. So my mom, the deal was his. Barber money went into the house, yeah, and then any of his hairpiece money was his spending money. So that was his motive. So this was in the height of the troubles when it was really fucking dangerous. Yeah. As a Catholic, you know, he was raised a Catholic. Um, to go into Protestant neighborhoods and pretend you were Protestant. So I went with him on one of these jobs. And we literally, to like Balamina, we turned the corner, we went into this housing estate where it was just Union Jacks everywhere, King yeah. Billy murals, the, the curbs are red, white, and blue. And I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? Yeah. And he says, my dad says, we're Protestants. <laughs> <laughs> right? And yeah. so we walk up to the door, and my dad's name is Colm, C-O-L-M. Yeah. And the guy opens the door and goes, Colin! Right? So he just, whenever he was with Protestants, he would say his name was yeah, Colin. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. And the balls of him, just for 15 quid. <laughs> I love this So bloke. this was, you know what I mean? So every time he, he and he, he, he sold it, he would go anywhere. Anywhere. Yeah, yeah. He would have gone right into the middle of a UDA meeting and yeah, sold him yeah. a hair piece. He didn't give a fuck. You know, <laughs> he wanted that 15 quid. But it, is he knocking on doors? He knows where the bald men are, is it? Well, no, they've already come to him. Ah, they, okay, he okay. run an ad in the, okay, like okay. the Belfast Telegraph or something like that, and they've come to him. And okay, okay. Then okay. he would travel around. So that, the idea of having a, a film where... So I, so I decided to have two characters. One's a Protestant, one's a Catholic. So, and they, they start this company. So one of them is always in danger. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. No matter, so if they're selling the Catholics, the prod's in danger and vice versa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And so, so it was, and yeah. so it, it kind of it made me happy. I love a, absurd theater, like I love Beckett and yeah. Ian Esco and stuff like that. So it had that it had the kind of working class thing that I come from, mm. but it also had this kind of mad, absurd kind of feel to it as well. Yeah. Selling hair pieces in the middle of a war, you know. Yeah. yeah. And how did you get that to DreamWorks and then Barry Levinson directing? What was that, that whole experience like? So I, I, the first thing I did with when it was finished. I sent it to, to Miramax because Miramax was my favorite company. They had about maybe five or six of my top ten favorite films were Miramax. Yeah. Sent to them first and got a rejection letter, which hurt. Mm. Then I sent it to all the other places I thought maybe Channel 4 films, BBC Northern Ireland, blah, blah, blah. I got a, le- a rejection letter from BBC Northern Ireland that was so patronizing and f- infuriating that I printed it, that I, I framed it and put it in the Just bathroom. And every you, time yeah. I went into the bathroom, I cursed the motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, motherfucker, right? Every time I had a pee, I cursed this guy or girl, I can't remember. Yeah. And so, so then, uh, so I'm thinking, am I, maybe I'm crazy, you know? Like, yeah. I think this is really good, but nobody else does, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, but, but I really did think it was good. So um, I started doing readings... Okay, no. I got cast in a film with Sharon Stone, directed by Sidney Lumet. Mm. Sidney Lumet is one of the greatest directors of all time. Mm. You know, Dog Day Afternoon, Serpico, Twelve Angry Men. I mean, the list goes on. Network. Yeah, Devil Knows You're Dead. Yeah, yeah. and um, and so so the guy. Let me see how. So I so I we were when we were coming to do ADR, I gave Sidney the script just to. You know, chance my arm. Mm. <laughs> and I came in for the second ADR, and his assistant said, Sidney was in there laughing hysterically in the room. Mm. Yeah. He freaking loves your script. And he write, writes me a letter, and I have it framed in my office now. Wow. Saying that he loved the script. So I thought, okay, I'm not crazy. So I started doing readings in New York. Mm. I did a reading in the back room of uh, an Irish bar in the East Village. And, uh, then we did another one at Chennai yeah. in the East Village. And I'm just inviting everybody, people, I mean, anybody, costumers, anybody that I knew in the film industry and theater, just freaking everybody. Yeah. I invited Sharon Stone, but she didn't even reply. Um, she sent you a letter? 
No, I didn't get a letter from Sharon. She had moved on at that point. Um, she's although a, I got she's, on, a, she's a woeful reputation, in fairness. I got on great. She she's a tough woman, but she she liked me, so that was cool. So yeah. I had no problem. It's warm no under problem. a dragon's wing, huh? She's tough. She's <laughs> tough. Tough broad. Yeah. yeah. But um, she she reminded me of Belfast girls. Really, yeah. You know, which I was raised with, so I'm yeah. not, I'm used to tough, yeah, yeah, you know, strong women. So, yeah. you know, yeah. she. But some of the guys literally would wilt, really? from her, like she was full on. Yeah. But um, but uh, 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 anyway, anyway, so I invited everybody, and I invited Lou Jamo, who was the casting director who cast me in Gloria. And uh, he was also the casting director from The Godfather, right? Wow. So he's very, yeah. very famous. So he sent his son, Lou Junior. Afterwards, Lou Jr. said, um, that was really, I really liked that. My dad would like that. You know, my dad has done some producing. I said, I didn't know that. He said, yeah, he, he produced Donnie Brasco. I said, I didn't know that. He said, do you want to come and do, bring the cast up to the office and do it for Lou? I'm like, fuck yeah. So at this point, I had my own little kind of troupe of yeah. actors mm -hmm. who had done three readings at this point. You know, some of them are getting off book. <clears throat> like it's going, like we have like a little group. <laughs> so we went and did it for Lou. Then Lou gave it to Mark Johnson, who is a really huge producer who also produced Donnie Brasco and produced, you know, loads of Barry Levinson films like Rain Man has an Oscar and blah, blah, blah. Since then, he produced Breaking Bad, Narnia. Like he's, wow. yeah. So he really liked it. He flew to, um, he flew to New York, did a reading for him in the back garden of the bar that I'm working at. And... Then afterwards, they say, should we tell him now? Tell him later. And I said, tell me what? And he says, Steven Spielberg read your script, sitting by the pool in the, at his house in the Hamptons, out loud to his children in a terrible Irish accent, as he, and DreamWorks want to make your film. Wow. So I went from rejections from BBC Northern Ireland, and then suddenly the phone starts ringing. I get home, there's not that night, but I get home to my shithole apartment. <laughs> I mean, it was a shithole. There was yeah. a brothel across the hall. There was rats. There was cockroaches everywhere. Yeah. Um, Neil Jordan has left a message on my answer machine. Fucking Neil, like, what is going on? Suddenly all these, it was, it was, it was like a dream. Um, <laughs> like it was happening to somebody else. Um, so CAA are ringing me and, oh. and William Morris are ringing me. Oh, everybody wants to sign me. UTA, William Morris, CAA, all of them want to sign me. So I, like the opposite of what happens to every single person in the universe, I'm auditioning them. Like they're trying to win. It was very fucking weird. Um, <laughs> so, um, so that was very strange how quickly things shifted. Um, you had a power play then. I guess. Mm. Um, so, and what what age were you at this? Stage? I was thirty. Okay, pretty young to have all that happening. Like, well, not really. <laughs> I mean, you know, that's kind of the perfect age, really. Yeah. Um, well, it's unusual, like, you know, well, in terms weird, of writing. I've just like, been an actor the whole yeah, time, yeah, you know, yeah. and I'm kind of working, struggling away, and doing little yeah, off-Broadway yeah. theater, yeah. and suddenly, as a writer. Like Neil Jordan's calling. Like I, like a year and a, a year before that, I was stalking Neil Jordan to try to get into an interview with a vampire. Like yeah. sending stuff to his house, stalking him at at a restaurant, and like I was, you know, stalk, now he's calling me. So yeah. it was a it was a very strange, you know, shift in yeah. reality. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I tried to tell my students that that doesn't happen to many people. You blanked him though, didn't you? I, I totally buy it. No, Fuck him. <laughs> I'm kidding. He's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful director. Oh, yeah. Um, so, but, um, yeah, so, um, so I, you know, so the whole thing was started to move very quickly. <clears throat> They're flying me to LA and mm -hmm. um, first class, like they have to fly you first class. And I'm like, I'm sitting on a first class flight with fucking Dustin Hoffman, or not Dustin Hoffman, um, Dudley Moore. I'm like, he's a huge hero. I'm like, fucking Dudley Moore. You know, um, I was more excited about meeting Dudley Moore than Steven Spielberg. Yeah. Anyway. So it was but a The big... early stuff, obviously, the Peter Cook. Yes, that stuff. stuff. I started riffing with him. I started doing 
He said, what's your favorite Derek and Clive? I said, uh, oh, Stan, I'm dead too, been alive. And he starts doing Peter Cook, and I start doing him, and we start doing this, this sketch. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, yeah. Oh God! <laughs> but you, do can't me, get do, me, you can't stop me now. I do, meet, talking. Do, do meet your heroes. They they won't let you down. Well, some of them. Johnny Rotten will let you down. Johnny Rotten. Yeah, John Lydon. Well, he will let you down. So you are a big punk. But yeah, I mean that's not su- that surprising. Though. That's the whole punk thing, right? <laughs> no, I mean a lot. A lot of punks are punk heroes. Are brilliant. Lovely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ian McKay is lovely. Henry Rollins is lovely. You know, but Johnny Johnny Lighton is a dick. Yeah, <laughs> he's a fucking dick. But that, well, that was his whole. That was I a, know, but you know, <laughs> no, he is a dick. Even beyond his, he just his persona. Dick, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, where do we go from there? Um, so what happened after that? What happened? Like, like who did, who did you go yeah. with? It got made. You ran with DreamWorks. Spiel. You, you don't say no to, you know. A kosher Le- offer, Levinson as it were, at the top of his game at that time. Yeah, and at one point, oh, okay. Well, here, how about this? So, um, so Mark says to me, um, so we didn't have Barry Levinson at this point. We just, and so it kind of went in circles a bit. And we we were meeting um, directors, and it wasn't really quite working. Like we weren't weren't finding the one that we liked. They weren't mad keen for, and 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 then at one point the film then left DreamWorks and went over to Summit, mm. but it was still happening. Um, and then at one point, so oh yeah, so Mark 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 Johnson rings me and he says, "I've got some great news. Robin Williams wants to play the scalper." And I'm thinking, "Oh, that's a fucking terrible idea," you know. Yeah. And and I'm but I'm chuffed because yeah. usually with film, if a big movie star wants to be in your film, that's great. That means you're going to get it greenlit. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But this was an absolute disaster casting. This Didn't was a terrible idea, man. Yeah. This is a legit like anarchic punk rock, gritty, mad comedy set in the troubles, and you're going to have fucking Robin Williams in the middle of it doing a shitty accent? You know? No. Fucking no. And he goes, well, what, are you going to say no to Robin Williams? I'm like, yes, I'm going to say, and at this point, I hadn't signed anything. Like, we deliberately did not sign anything till even till we started shooting. We didn't sign anything. Didn't take any money. And he's like, just laughed at me, like, yeah, sure, you're going to pass on Robin Williams. So fast forward, they fly me out to LA and they really wanted this guy who directed Heathers. You know the film Heathers, mm-hmm, which yeah. is a really great film, but he also directed a couple of films that weren't great, mm. like My Giant mm. and Hudson Hawk. Oh, okay. So he was he was like, maybe, you know, he did direct one good film and then he kind of yeah. lost his way a bit, but, you know, maybe he's a good director, yeah. but I'm not sure. So they fly me out to LA and I'm dying with the cold. I had like the f- horrible flu. Yeah. And they bring me up to the... Um, to the, to the whatever the uh, the CEO of Summit or wherever the owner of Summit to Summit his, of the Summit his house <laughs> is like something out of a James Bond fucking film with a helipad Jesus right and like bodyguards like it was swear to God and they bring me into his house and this director guy I can't remember his name he was there and people start talking and blah 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 and he seems like a pretty cool guy you know but you know I need to suss like was he will I be able to put this my baby in his hands and also, will he let me play the lead? Will one of these motherfuckers sack me? You know, so yeah. I was a bit paranoid about that. Mm. Um, that one of the reasons why I didn't sign the contract. Um, so anyway, uh, right as we were kind of, and I, I was getting along great with him, chatting away, and 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 then Mark said, "Oh, and by the way, Robin wants what Robin loves the script, and Robin wants to be in it." So all the execs from Summit are like, "Oh, well, Robin, you know, great, yeah, great, great." Yeah. And I could see in his face that the director he knew it was a bad idea. Yeah. He, you know, just you'd see it. He's like, "Oh no, great, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, yeah." You know, he's going to go along. And I was like, "What do you think about that? Do you think that's a good idea?" And he's kind of looking around the room, like, "Who's the fucking boss here, man?" Like, yeah. "Wait, what? Why? Why is this guy?" You know, he didn't realize I hadn't signed anything yet. Right. Uh, and he went. He looked me dead in the eye and he goes, "Yeah, no, I think that's a terrific idea." And right then, I was like, "That's not the guy." Mm-hmm. So I left and I t- said to Mark, I said, I, I, don't, I don't want to go with him. Mm. And they're like, well, listen, you know, he's the, the, the film company want him. And if you don't 
go with him. We're going to lose the winter because we had to shoot it in the winter. And it might, you know, my history is that if, if a film loses heat, mm. it might not ever get made. Right. So I went back to Maryland to where my parents live and I picked them up from the subway coming home from school, uh, from work. And my dad, I have this dilemma. He's like, you have till Monday to decide. I'm like, fucking, what am I going to do here? And my dad says to me, and you think your parents would go, just go with the gig, get the gig done, you know? Yeah. And my dad Think says to me, my dad says to me, um, well, here, all you, have to, all you have to decide is, will this guy fuck up your film? And I'm like, yeah, he will. I said, he's, don't go with him. Wow. So I, I, like, you're right. So I rang, I rang Mark and I said, um, no. And um, he went, all right. And then the phone went dead for like three weeks. Mm. Nothing. Right. It's dead silence. Like, fuck, I just fucked that all up. Yeah. So me and Jerome, who was one of the other producers, who was my boss in, in, in the bar where I worked, a restaurant, we went to Sundance just to f fucking go to Sundance. <clears throat> and... Um, and Mark calls us a Sundance. He says, "Go into the room, bring a, get up, get a speakerphone from the front desk. Go back up to your room, plug it in, make sure there's no one else in the room." Our friend Brad, we made him stand out on the balcony in a freezing cold. And he says, "Barry Levinson read the script. He wants to direct it." Like fucking great. And then I thought, "Oh no, Barry Levinson's friends with Robin Williams." Yeah. He's done like four films with him. He did Toys. Toys he did yeah, yeah. Good Morning Vietnam. Oh, no, fuck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So when, when finally, when I got to meet Barry, we did a reading for Barry then. And then I had like a lunch. You want to go have a lunch with Barry? And I went, you know, Robin Williams wants to play the scalper. What do you think about that? And he goes, that's a terrible idea. Oh, so you knew you had your guy. I'm like, oh, whew, all right. He's like, no, no, no. His, his accent would be terrible. No, that's a terrible idea. So... Billy Connolly played that part. Nice. Cool. Um, so then the film gets made. How did it do? <laughs> any any uh, didn't do choice well awards? At all. Didn't do well at all. They, no, they um, released it on um, six screens right, okay. on Christmas Day. Okay. Wasn't there a legal issue as well? There was, but I don't want to talk about that. Okay. Okay. I want to just be positive today. Of course, absolutely. Um, yeah. But it, it didn't really get a fair shake. It got, okay. um, it got moved, it got cut, uh, the, the screens got cut from six to two. Okay. It was only released for less than a week. Right. The New York screening was supposed to be in one theater, then they moved it to another theater and didn't put the listings in the in the newspaper at all. Barry Levinson's own wife couldn't find the script or, or the, the film. Mm. So it was it was pretty uh depressing. The, the that that was like I took to bed for a month. Really? Yeah. It was fucking hard. Yeah. I can imagine <laughs> so after though, all that yeah, man, yeah, after yeah. all that and then it was like, wah, wah, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but, but since then, it's, you know, it's done, it's done well on, on DVD and, yeah. you know, and I've had some people come up to me um, saying, you know, they really like it and that so, kind of thing. So. It's, it's found a, a life. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. 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 And, uh, but did you, like, were you getting meetings? Were you still getting meetings after that? Like you had, yeah. Like, so then, yeah. I, so so that, I, I, so uh, so yeah. I was getting very strange meetings. Like I got a, a lady that owned the rights to the commitments, right. wanted to meet me. Yeah. So I went and had coffee with her, and she she said, "We want you to do the uh, sequel to the commitments." Right. To um, rice. All right. Um, what's the catch? And. So I didn't want to. I didn't want to write this sequel to Commitments. First of all, it's Roddy Doyle's gig. Yeah, it's his gig. It's not yeah. my gig. I would. I would be a bit of a dick to move in on Roddy Doyle's gig. And also, I couldn't think of something. I couldn't think of something. Where do you? They go? wanted it to be the, the the Commitments tour America, right? The sequel. And yeah, I could have. You know, I, I've been living in America. I know about being Irish in America and all mm. the cultural kind of clashes and stuff like that, or whatever weirdness. Mm. But I just didn't feel, and it was a lot of money too. I passed. Right. Just to write it. 
Yeah, it's right a lot of money. Yeah, like if I was offered it now, I'd snap your fucking hand off. <laughs> <laughs> but it never happened. It didn't happen. Yeah. But I was a lot of money, right. and I, I passed on it because I thought it would just be bad karma to take Riley Doyle's gig. You know? Yeah. I think he had come out and said he thought it was a terrible idea and he wanted nothing to do with it. So right. you know. Yeah. Um, but then at one point, at one point, then so I got a my agent called me and she said. Um, uh, Harvey Weinstein wants to meet you. Yeah. <clears throat> I thought, okay, that's interesting. This is before, you know, we know about all this yeah, stuff yeah, now. Yeah. Um, so it was at a hotel. <laughs> and uh, he opened the door and his robe, robe. His robe, robe fell open. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but it wasn't a, ho- it wasn't a hotel. But I, it, and it was the, the penthouse. Harvey yeah. Wallbanger, huh? Um, and so, but when I got up there, he wasn't there yet. His workers were there, and they were all kind of milling around, um, looking like uh, kicked dogs, basically. Mm. They looked, you know, like they were not happy with yeah. their lot in life, mm. um, nervous. And um, anyway, they're like, would you like a, you know? They were, uh, anyway, it didn't seem like a really happy work environment. So anyway, of, he... Of a so nervous thinking, disposition. Yes. And I'm, I'm thinking, oh my God, this ogre's about to come in. And he came in, and he was actually very, very friendly. He started yeah. smoking. I smoked at the time, and yeah. I said, "Can I smoke?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah." Hey. We start smoking and start chatting away. And so he says to me, um, "So, Barry, why didn't we get this script?" And I said, "Well, uh, Mr. Weinstein." Um, Miramax is, you know, six, five or six of my top ten favorite films. I always mar- imagined the Miramax logo at the beginning of my film. And Miramax was the very first company I sent it to, and you guys rejected it. So he turns to the person next to him and he says... You're fired. He says, <laughs> he says find out who passed on that. And I said to him, wait a second, are you, are you going to sack that person? And he said, why, would you like me to sack that person? And I said, yeah, yes, I fucking would like you to sack that part, you know? So <clears throat> I didn't take the high road. I said, yeah, fucking sack him, man. Sack that motherfucker. Um, <laughs> so that was, yeah. yeah. Sometimes in life you, you don't take the high road. Yeah. But did you, like, did you have other, you know, did you have your pitches in your pocket kind of thing for the next, for the follow-up, you know? Yeah, no, there was another few scripts that yeah. I wrote that that sold. Right, okay. okay. Um, but just, you know, didn't get made. Right. Um, so I sold, one, two, like three, co-written. Right. Um, yeah, all of them were co-written. Yeah. Um, and and then that, that was various kind of rewrites. And um, so there was money, some money coming in. But, you know, not getting your film made was really frustrating. Right. And it's been, you know, it's been like 20 years since, since An Everlasting Peace happened. And so I have not gotten a film made in right. 20 years. Okay. So, um, so even if you're getting, and I did a couple of rewrites, like I did a rewrite on Veronica Guerin. Right. Um, but... You know what I mean? You want to. Yeah, the, yeah. the great thing about theater is you can write a play and stick it on above a pub. Yeah, and there you go. I mean, at least at least you're getting to hit an audience. When mm-hmm. one of the most frustrating things about writing feature films, and I don't want to put people off, mm-hmm. but it's um, it's much easier to get TV made right now. Right. So, even though in my classes I teach feature screenwriting. It's the same thing, really. I'm just teaching people to write good scenes, hopefully. Yeah. Um, but if you really, if you wanna, if you wanna help your odds, um, either write a super low budget feature, yeah, set in one location yeah. with three characters, or do a TV show. Because writing, you know, getting getting films made today mm. is tough. What markets are you looking at, say, in terms of TV? Ireland's very hard to get TV made. Would you be looking to UK and America for that kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, my students, I'm like tr- trying to, t- to get them not to limit themselves to thinking what would RTE would like to yeah. put on. Yeah. 
Think outside the box. Because you start to, you know, you start to clip your wings big time if you start thinking. And then you start second-guessing yourself. You're like, well, they RTE, I don't know if they like this type of fare and blah, blah, blah. And you're starting to write for somebody else instead of yourself. You write what you think would be fucking brilliant. That write the, the show that you, if you were watching it, you would say, I fucking love this show. This show is talking to me. Not it'll sell. RT, you're looking for this type of thing. You're, 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 you're screwing yourself over if you let other people in the room. One of the problems with DreamWorks for me was I got a blind script deal with them. And I, and I, I felt like they were in the room with me when I was trying to write this script. And I don't. I never naturally felt like DreamWorks was a f- real fit for the type of things I'm into. Like I'm into real kind of indie type things, and you know, so it didn't feel like. So I felt like they were, they were watching me, mm-hmm. and it was. I wanted to get them the fuck out of the room, mm-hmm. so I could write again. So you need to be on your own when you're writing. It needs to be just you watching the film. Do yeah. I like this film? Not will somebody else like this? Mm-hmm. Do I fucking like this film? Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm trying to. To say you could, you, you know, I have, I, I, um, my last ten week course. There was um, one of the writers wrote a film set in um, Bombay. Okay. Another one set it in um, in London. You know what I mean? Like you don't have to. It does doesn't have to be set here. Yeah. So I encourage them to. I mean, I've had people do sci-fi, pirate fucking films, <laughs> animated films. I've had two animated films. I want everybody to be doing their own thing yeah. and not to become homogenized all trying to write a f- like the film that I would write. Yeah. Um, of course, I'm going to give my opinion that co- that's, that's tempered through my taste, tone, and style, but I want the class to be somewhere where people get to do what they want to do. Yeah, authentic. Be yeah. authentic. Be, you know, be, write the film you want to see, not me. Yeah. Because if you write something that you think is fucking beautiful, there's a good chance it'll touch other people too. Yeah. And that's that, that other people doesn't mean, you know, four people at RTE that decide, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and and I, and I actually think that people at RTE are more likely to fall in love with something where you don't give a fuck if they want to, if, if, yeah, if, yeah. if, it's true, yeah. If if it's not, it's not for them, yeah. You know yeah, what I mean? That's yeah. the way they, they it wa- works. They yeah, want yeah. that. Yeah, they, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, if they're good, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's always. And of course, the they are. <laughs> we, you know, yeah. Um, and then Be so, positive. So you're you're tipping your toe into producing. How are you finding that? It's dead easy, sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Why didn't I think of this, this at the start? Years ago, I already have a letter of intent from a very. Uh, amazing actor. I'm not going to say his name, but um, no, you know, be, until the cameras start rolling, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. until they say action, maybe, maybe until you, until they say uh, cut in the last take of the. I don't know. I don't know when a producer will be happy. Yeah. Um, but so far, I mean, I ha- I'm, I'm producing one of my students, Kiara Viala, who's she's doing her own thing. She's got her own film that she, you know, directed and wrote a- yeah. away from me and nothing to do with me. But yeah. I helped develop a script with her. Yeah. So I've inveigled my way in on the gig, you know. Yeah. Um. So um. So I'm excited about that, and it's it's funny because me sending out her script to all the people like I've gotten it to Brad Pitt's company I've gotten it to Mark Johnson I've got it to Lynn Ramsey I've got it to all sorts of really cool people it's it's easier for me to hassle them because I didn't write it mm. with my own script it's like oh I don't know Pick why didn't me. they write me back yet and, you know yeah, you're so, yeah. so much more yeah. touchy yeah um, when it's hers if, if someone rejects it or says you know I didn't really like it mm. okay it's, next it's, yeah it doesn't put you off yeah, and then I can filter that in a way. And like Kiara's pretty tough. Like mm. she, she, you know, you don't have to bullshit Kiara. Mm. But at the same time, if I think someone says says a, a, even just a phrase that's a little cruel or a little inaccurate, yeah. See, I'm afraid that my writers will have somebody who doesn't really know what they're doing run coverage on their script and say something that's inaccurate. Yeah, which has happened to me. Like someone say the the characterization needs work, and I know for a fact. It's spot on. The characters is yeah. the fucking best thing in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're an idiot. 
And you're going to make me self-doubt myself. You're going to make me think that I'm crazy. In the wrong areas. And if my students, if you get at my students and you wreck their fucking head and now they don't trust themselves when they're writing, you're going to kill their creativity. Mm. You're going to kill their passion for it because they're like, well, I thought the characters were great, but apparently this important person who knows better says that they're shite. So I'm fucking nuts. Mm. So I shouldn't write anymore. Bye-bye career. You know what I mean? Mm. So it literally can kill... So. So it's nice that, and this is why people have agents, because the agent can filter, mm. filter out the dicks, mm. yeah, yeah. or filter out the, um, and it's not the hurtful stuff. It's not or criticism. The it's stuff. not filtering out criticism. It's just fil- filtering out Inaccurate stuff that's stuff. wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because if someone Unhelpful says, stuff. if someone says, Spiteful stuff. if someone says the dialogue needs work, and you know the dialogue is cracking, well, th- that's. But characterization use these kind of terms that people learn in, in college. Like visualization. Somebody wrote a thing that the visualization. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> like I do coverage. Yeah, mm. yeah. I don't first of all, if I send my script to some to a film company, I don't want your coverage. I just want you to say, do I want to do it or do yeah. I not want to do it? Yeah, That's it. I don't want notes. Don't give me I yeah. I don't need you know when I you yeah, know what? Yeah. you can just say it didn't work for me or you know, whatever reason. We're busy at the minute with other stuff or it didn't quite yeah. it didn't quite ring my bell fine great but don't go into the details of of bullshit that you you know like don't be practicing coverage on me mm. or my students yeah yeah don't go through your fucking save the cat fucking you know what i mean and they're going through all that those, those those shitty books like the sid fields shitty book fucking awful book <laughs> is that the save the cat one no, that's screenplay. That's screenplay. like the that's oh, yeah. like the Bible, the Bible that yeah, every yeah. every right, bad yeah, yeah. movie that was ever made in Hollywood was yeah. they read that fucking book. Yeah. The archetypal bullshit. Um terrible book. So you have to be careful what, what you what you as a student of screenwriting, you have to be careful what, what you bring in, what food you eat. If you are eating at McDonald's, you're gonna get sick. You know, so you have to you have to be careful what you read and you also you can't just keep be watching shite films all the time. You have to you have to go fucking go to the art house theater. Go yeah. fucking find cool films. Cleanse your palate. Yeah, properly. you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. So I, that I I can I have Netflix and there's hundreds of films that you know superhero films. I'm not watching that shit. Mm. It's dreadful. I'm not saying look. Some people love superhero films. That's fine, but I don't. It's yeah. not my cup of tea. Yeah, yeah. It's not why you got into movies. Yeah. No. The Criterion uh, Collection has been launched on uh, in the States, I think, on VOD, so as is uh, yeah, a couple of other interesting... Anyway, sorry. I, I anyway, this is, a, this is a good summer where you have... Alma Devar has a film coming out. Yeah, yeah. Jim Jarmusch had a film. Mm-hmm. Has anyone seen that? It's awful. Is it? It's so bad. One? Yeah, it's one of the worst things I've seen You've this year. Is it? It's so bad. And I love Jim Jarmusch. Yeah, it was oh it this summer. God. Yeah. Really? It's so self-indulgent. Uh, oh, that's it. And then Tarantino, all in the same. Anything know. by A twenty four, you're okay. But that's, I mean, to have to have films coming out from those three directors, yeah. that's a good summer. Did you see yeah, yeah. Tarantino? I haven't seen any of them yet. I'm oh. going to go next weekend. Before you, you, you did mention a, an anecdote about an audition. Any embarrassing uh, first Do yeah, you want to yeah, go right. there? Yeah. So, so I had, so, so I was in <laughs> L A. and I have this friend Barry. I'm not going to say his last name. His name is Barry too. Um, but he he worked at an agency. But they weren't some. They were kind of agents for um, like um, like set designers and stuff like that. Anyway, I got an audition for The Departed. Oh, oh wow! And um, so we're, li- we're living in LA um, for Fitzy. I'm assuming, was it? I'm not sure. I can't, I, I can't remember what part. Oh, but uh, but anyway, um, so so I'm talking to Barry, and he goes, "Oh yeah, that's about Whitey Bulger. It was set in the '70s." Like it was a real super super secret. Like the script wasn't. You got like two pages and that's it. And it wouldn't tell you fucking anything about the script. It's really really super secret. So I'm I'm like trying to get it. I'm like, do you know about this? And he's like, oh yeah, it's about Whitey Bulger set in the '70s. I'm like, it's really set in the '70s. And he's like, definitely. It's, it's like it's a '70s movie. So um, so I my whole acting career I whenever I was going to an audition you'll know about this like what do you wear to an audition Something do you like that you don't want to dress too much you don't want to walk in in a costume mm. but you don't want to be wearing something totally in, inappropriate <laughs> either right so I had never I had my golden rule was never dress up 
like the character just kind of go in in a black shirt or something, you know. Mm. But but I really this is fucking Scorsese. So I thought I said to my wife, I'm gonna go down the hill to the um to the charity shop at the bar in Hollywood called Out of the Closet, which was a, a charity shop for AIDS, you know, right. um, raise money for AIDS awareness. And I went down and I bought all this '70s gear, right? So I bought I bought a turtleneck. And then I bought this kind of shirt jacket. I'm not sure if it was a shirt or if it was a jacket. It was white. Yeah. It had big fucking lapels on it and like patterns. And it was, um, what do you call that material from the 70s? Uh, uh, polyester. Polyester, yeah. Heavy. And it was, it was very hot in L.A. this, this week. So I, I drove across the, over the hill to, was it Warner Brothers? I think it was Warner Brothers. And it's boiling fucking hot. I mean, it's like one o'clock in the afternoon in the valley. It's like 110 degrees. And I've got a fucking a turtleneck and this big, heavy, jackety shirt thing. And so I go into the sweat. And as soon as I step out of the car, the sweat's lashing off me. And I, I go into the waiting room and I sign up. And it's not actually for Martin. It's for his casting director lady. Um, I can't remember her name, but... I'm looking at the other dudes that are auditioning, for, obviously for the same age, same age as me, and they're all dressed like fucking Colin Farrell. You know, they're like got like like cut off shirts and like little le leather bracelets and shit. I'm like, man, these guys, yeah, like that when you're wearing. <laughs> and uh, I'm thinking, I got this gig, man. These guys, man, they're not making any effort at all. These motherfuckers, right? <clears throat> so I go in, and the sweat's lashing on me, and I do that, and she's looking at me, kind of. Um, and I do the audition, and, and she says to me, um, Barry, uh, do, do, you, uh, do you always dress like this? And I was like, excuse me? And she said, is this like the way you dress? Or I'm just uh, curious about the clothes you're wearing. And I was like, no, I, mean, you know, I kind of dress for the audition a little bit. She's like, well, why? Why like that? And I'm like, it's set in the 70s, right? And she's like, no, it's not set in the 70s. I'm like, oh, okay. So when I, so when I got out into the park and I called my friend, I'm like, "You motherfucker!" <laughs> He's like, "Oh, sorry, man. Well, I didn't get the gig. Uh, well. Actually, I think David O'Hara got the part. Yeah, Fitzy, the Irish character. Yeah, did, yeah. yeah. Or the, the one of the one of the crew is it one of the, yeah one of the uh, gangsters. He laughs at Nicholson at one point in the in, in the movie. Don't fucking laugh! Don't fucking laugh! Yeah, okay. He's great. Um, so. We always ask this uh, towards the end. Um, if there's any advice that you could give to the younger Barry when you were starting out, what might that be? Um, aside from learn how to cut hair. Yeah. Not <laughs> um, just somebody starting out, you know. Yeah, don't be so, don't be so uh, life or death about everything. You know, I know, and in, 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 at the time it felt like, well, if I, you know, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna be a really good actor, if I'm gonna make good art, I gotta go all the way, man. You know, I gotta go full in, and that's gonna separate me from everybody else or something. But you can do really great work without being so fucking intense, because I don't think I was very fun to be around, right. and I don't think, I think there's a, there's a few actors that were kind of happy when the gig ended with me. Right. You know, okay. not, I'm, I wasn't like a, a bastard, but I was really, um, like I felt like if it wasn't, if I didn't feel like it was really happening, we, we weren't doing our jobs correctly. Mm. And right. so I felt like they knew that I was judging them. Right. Okay. Even though I thought I was hiding that. Right. So, um, so nobody wants to go to work with that type of person. Yeah. So I wish I could. And, and the thing is, like, I've always uh, wanted to be a kind person and a person with empathy. Yeah. But when I was in character, nothing else mattered. And right. that's not fucking cool. Right. But you mellowed out. Like, yeah. yeah. So I take a break from acting. Yeah. Um, well, he hasn't strangled either one of us, so we're okay. No, I mean, uh, as a as a, t a teaching is so much better suited to yeah, me. Like yeah, yeah. I I haven't gotten any bad reviews as a teacher. You're right. I have loads of bad reviews as an actor. Right. Um, but uh, you know what I mean. So yeah, so yeah. 
so it feels good to not be an actor at the minute. Right. You know? Okay. Just to kind of get to know who who am I yeah. without that. So you wouldn't you wouldn't be taking parts at the moment or or you're not. I actively might if, some, if something came along that was, you know, yeah. cool, I yeah. would. But yeah, yeah. um it's but I don't focus. need to. Yeah. And yeah. I'm not I'm not on the on the fucking treadmill. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Doing me fucking real and you know, all yeah. the things that you gotta do when you're an actor. Yeah. I'm not out hustling. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Well Barry, it's been an absolute pleasure. We could uh, listen to your stories all day, but <laughs> you probably have places to be. So. But you have to stop me now. <laughs> yeah. Have you anything coming up that you'd any classes or anything you'd like us to I have um a I have a class starting next week, but that's filled. And then I have another six week class starting on October seventeenth. Okay. Cool. And if uh, anyone wants to check that out, they should go to www.flyingturtleproductions.com mm-hmm. and look in the screenwriting section. And then I have a play that I've written and I'm going to direct in the spring okay. called The Letterist. We're going to do that um, upstairs at Doyle's. Brilliant. So I guess that's that's all I have to promote. Cool. Yeah, well, t- maybe <laughs> tell us a little bit closer and we can give a shout-out. We'll, we'll give you a shout-out. Thanks, guys. Thanks a million. Yeah, thanks I really enjoyed it. Cheers.